glad I wore pants with pockets today. <laughs> All right. Can everyone hear me? Okay. Well, good morning. I am so excited to get to be here with all of you because Bear Valley is just like the warm fuzzies inside my heart and my soul. It really helped me through all of my heart, like my biggest hardship in life um, because the staff at Bear Valley, the students, the love that you feel here is just unreal. So the past six months, I think the most common question I've heard or comment remark is, aren't you a little young to have experienced so much grief? <laughs> um, then another one was pretty often, wow, you just seem so young to know enough grief to have written a book about it. And I'm like, oh, well, how much time do you have? Because you're going to want to sit down because we've got a long ways to go. Well, the truth is, as much as I wish that I could say that grief has an age limit or even kind of like a roller coaster ride where you have a high weight requirement, grief doesn't wait around for things like that. In fact, it happens usually in somebody's life at the very early ages, like we heard from Kathy yesterday of her young friend, where they lose a friend in school. Or for me, it was losing my first pet at like five or six, and you don't know how to comprehend loss. And then as you get older, for me in general, it was the loss of my parents being together. So divorce takes place in young kids' lives. I was a young teen. Then you lose a grandparent. Then you lose another grandparent because it's the way of life. And when you're young, you don't know how to process it. You don't know how to really grieve in a way that is like gonna help you get stronger and get through it. So, figure out what I've done here. So then, in those early phases of life, you're just going through the motions of trying to figure out your way through these hardships, and then you hit college. You get a few years of a break, and then you hit college, and through, hold on, there's a man in the room. <laughs> that is so sweet. He brought her a water. <laughs> so, in those early phases of life, I was still figuring things out, and then I hit college, and three-fourths of the friends I made in college died from drinking and driving. So not only was I not a Christian at this point, I wasn't even attending a church anywhere, so I didn't even know God. I didn't know that you could have a relationship with God. So then... I heard I was in the world, so you get worldly advice when you're in the world. And that advice sounds something like, well, just put your big girl pants on and deal with it. Or put your big girl pants on and get over it. Because that's the kind of advice you get when you live in the world. And then fast forward, life is going awesome. And then we're at Fair Valley. And I'm a firm believer that God puts you in situations and places at times that he knows that you're going to need it because you're going to be able to use what you're learning at that time. So March 23rd, 2019, uh, 
I get a call at 7 p.m. from my mom. She was frantic, like screaming into the phone. Your brother just shot himself, or he just been shot. I don't really know. I'm on my way over there now. So it's in those moments and in those words that my body went completely numb. I literally couldn't feel physically, mentally. There's just no words for it. And if you've ever lost somebody that close to you, then you know that numbing feeling. But the difference with this situation was that I had a loving church family. I had all of these amazing staff members. I had students surrounding me every single second throughout the entire process. And I had the love of the Father. So today we are going to look at how we can manage our pain through the Word of God. And it can be managed through the Word of God. Because I've seen it and I've felt it. So... Y'all, I don't know why I'm shaky today, but I am. I'm going to blame it on the altitude. (laughs) It's been a few years. So maybe you're here today and you've lost a loved one or the trust in your marriage has been shattered. Or maybe you've had a miscarriage or the loss of a parent or anything that's going to cause you to go into some sort of grief and pain that you feel deep within you. I'm here to tell you that you aren't the first to experience these things and you're not going to be the last. And we see all throughout the Bible where they've experienced the same grief. They've been through the pain that you've been through. So you're not alone, and you're not the first to go through it. So therefore, when we turn to Ephesians 2, we can see that it's so important when these moments of grief hit that you need to remember your purpose as a Christian. Because when grief hits and you have that numbing feeling for a time, it's hard to do simple tasks. And even the hard tasks that need to be done. So you have to remember who you are in Christ. But here in Ephesians 2, Paul goes on to tell these Gentile Christians that this is not without remembrance of who you used to be. So you need to remember this past life that you once had to remember where you are now. So in the verse... Ephesians 2 verses 1 through 3, we see where Paul says, Hey, you were once sons of disobedience. You did not follow the will of God. This is one of those not thy will, but my will kind of situations. So you're following your own will, your own walk of life. But then he goes on in verses 4 through 10 to say that we see how God is stepping into this moment. And he's telling you that... Hey, because I am so rich in love and mercy, I'm going to give you this grace because I love you and I want you to come to me through all of these things. And then after he's given you this love and this mercy and he's made you alive because you used to be dead in your sins, now you have a purpose. And with this new purpose that you've been purposed for, you're to go out and do good works because of the love of the Father. Because of not only his love for you, but for your love for him because you love that he's given you this new opportunity at life. To start over, to start anew by showing your purpose to others. 
And when you show your purpose to others, what you're doing is saying, hey, I love God so much and he loves me so much. I want you to see that love. So even though in the midst of your hurt and your pain, you can go out and do these good works of doing benevolence and just showing love. Make a meal for someone like we've heard. Go out and just sit with somebody who's in pain. Be a listening ear. Be a warm body in a room. Because in the end, somebody just wants to know that you're there. They don't care if you're here to be like Job's friends to have something to say. They just want to know that you're there. And then after you've done that, then you can go and praise God for it. But before we go into praising God, which obviously is very important because we've heard the importance of praising God all weekend. So now let's turn to Philippians 1. So while you're getting there, a, if I don't throw my Bible, okay. A great example of a person that we see that showed his example and fulfilled his purpose as a Christian is Paul. In Philippians 1, we see where he, verses 12 through 14, where he was in prison for preaching the gospel. And during his imprisonment, he was chained, the palace guards saw that he was more chained to Christ than his physical chains. And through that, through showing that to them, he was also furthering the gospel and giving so much hope and confidence to other brothers that were suffering because he was staying strong for them. So now let's think about us. Are you chained to Christ? And are you chained to Christ enough that when the pain hits, when the trial comes in your life, whatever it may be, sudden job loss, do people see you more chained to Christ than your physical chains? Do they see you as somebody who's going to stay strong even though it's hard? They see you. You're hurting. And they're like, wow, she's just so awesome, though. She doesn't let anything get in her way because she knows God's going to get her through it. Do people see you that way? And if not, start thinking about ways that you need to put God first in your life and how you can show that to others, too, through every area of your life. And that's where he goes on further down in the text, 27 through 30 of chapter 1, to say, Only let your conduct be worthy of the gospel of Christ, that whether I come and see you or am absent, I may hear of your affairs, and that you stand fast in one spirit with one mind striving together for the faith of the gospel and not in any way terrified of your adversaries, which is to them proof of destruction, but proof of your salvation. So, no matter what comes, do people see you terrified of what's coming or do they see you as somebody who's not terrified because God's giving you this hope of salvation? I have nothing to be scared of. COVID, whatever. <laughs> it doesn't matter. If I die, I get to go to heaven. How much better is that than 
in any other thing you face, if you're so chained to Christ, if you're fulfilling your purpose, if you're doing your conduct that's worthy of Christ, and you're not terrified because you have a hope of your salvation, that's something to praise God for. It's because you have this hope that you can cling to. So then... When we do have that chance to praise God, which can happen at any single time of day, let me just scroll down a little ways. Okay, so when we're praising God in our suffering, we're actually allowing ourselves to let our trust in God take over because that's what matters the most is our trust and our faith to grow. That even though we cannot see him, we know that he's going to get us through it. So we're letting go of our doubts by reminding ourselves of who God is, which we saw in Ephesians 2 in verses 4 through 10 of who God is because he's so rich in that love and that mercy and he gave you that grace that we may never understand the outcome of our trial, but we know who our God is and we know his power to do whatever we need him to do. And sometimes praising God can be really hard when you hurt and you really can't form the words to say. And that's when I am so thankful for the Holy Spirit. And Romans 8, 24 through 27 tells us that the Holy Spirit intercedes for us when we can't form those words. To intercede is to literally take what we can't say and to take it to the Father. As long as it's something that's in accordance to God's will, he's going to take it to God for us. Because he searches our hearts and knows what we need. And then if you still can't figure out how to pray during this time, you can look to the Psalms. And it was so awesome having Corey Sawyers as our teacher for Wisdom Lit because he taught us how to go through the Psalms and to turn them into prayers. And one of those that you can look at is Psalm 138. And in Psalm 138, we can feel the hope that David had because David knew that God was to be praised above all other gods. He he was a loving God and true for all he had done. And God answered him when he called out and gave David strength in his soul. And he mentions that all the kings will one day give thanks to God and the lowly will be exalted. Even though David knew... Even though David was suffering, God revived him. And it was the fruit of his praise to God. So we can take this same prayer and put it into our own words. And what you can do is you can praise God with your whole heart. You can pray to God that you're thankful that he is before all other gods. And we can acknowledge God's power and love and truth he has given us access to. And we can praise God for allowing us to even come to him in prayer in the first place. And we can praise God for allowing us this strength that he gives us and to get us through these trials to help us learn and grow from it and we can praise God for giving us Philippians 2 9 through 11 that says that one one day every knee shall bow and we hope and we wait eagerly for that day so keep praising God in the waiting 
and then praise God for being a just God that in time will exalt the lowly and in our times of pain and suffering God will revive us cover us with his hand and take care of our every need because he is a loving God and his word is everlasting and he does not forsake his promises and we have seen that all throughout scripture So a moment in silent praise to God can bring you peace to your pain because you're letting God take that pain from you. But you also have to be willing to let go. Take it to God and leave it there. If it's a lingering thought that you've really got to get off your mind, take it to God and leave it there. Same as if you journal, I always say journal those lingering thoughts and leave them in that journal for the day. Don't, don't ever go back to that page. And if you have to, rip it out and burn it so that you don't ever go back to that page. And then another psalm we can look at is Psalm 136. And here it's a really long psalm, but it's giving, it shows us Israel's thanksgiving to God. And it's just a list of all the things they are thankful for. And we too can go through and make a list of all the things we're thankful for. And then praise God for it. So by taking this time to constantly remember your purpose, try to fulfill your purpose as a Christian and praising God and searching the Psalms and making your journal of the Psalms and rewriting them, what you're doing is you're creating persistence within yourself. You're persistently staying in the Word because you need to be persistent in your faith. So, because the moment we stop being persistent is the moment when we might let the world in. And you don't want to do that. So, Because our grief also doesn't go away in one week or one day. It lingers for years and weeks to come. So the week following, week or weeks following the death of my brother, I was confronted by several people asking, are you sure you don't want to take like a small break from school to have time to grieve? But I knew that if I had removed myself from being immersed in the word daily, it was going to be a huge disservice to my faith. So instead, I stayed in school, I stayed in the word, and I constantly pushed myself to grow. Even when it was so hard, I stayed. So we can look at Luke 18.1 and see how Jesus tells this parable to his disciples. And he's telling them... Now, he was telling them a parable to show that at all times they ought to pray and not lose heart. So this parable is about a widow that goes to a judge, and he is a judge that does not fear fear God or respect man. And she goes to him, and he says, no, I don't want to help you with that. And so she goes back, and she goes back, and she keeps going back because she was persistent. And finally, this judge says, fine, you can have your legal protection. You're making me tired, lady. Go away. (laughs) So it was through her persistence that she got what she needed. And so Jesus goes on to say in verse 7 and 8 that now will not God bring about justice for his elect who cry to him day and night? And will he delay long over them? I tell you that he will bring about justice for them quickly. However, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? So what can we learn from this parable? 
that we have to be searching for God, learning about his character and the nature of God, learning about the suffering the first century Christians endured, reading the Psalms to help our prayer life. And we have to be as persistent as the widow and not lose heart. So when we find that comfort and peace from God, you'll know it because the way you talk about your pain feels differently. And it sounds differently because not only are you much stronger, but your faith is much stronger. So then you can openly talk about the things you've been through without it even being a bother. Because it's like, yeah, that's what happened, but I'm not going to let it hold me back from anything. Because I know where I can overcome it with, and I know how to overcome it, and that's through God's Word. Because God's Word is living, and it can help you, and it's relevant to every one of us today. And then when we look at 2 Corinthians 1, verses 3 through 8, we see where Paul speaks about his experiences and his suffering he endured in Asia. And what we learn is that Paul found his comfort in God through all of this. And we learn that his spiritual comfort is really what matters the most. And so it's trusting God so much that you have that assurance of hope. That no matter what happens in the situation, God's going to get you through it. And you can overcome. Kind of like Revelation 2 verse 10 says, overcome. And you'll receive that crown of life. All throughout Revelation, we learn about just overcome. (laughs) But that's the thing is we have to overcome. So in order to stay persistent daily, you have to find a way. Get an accountability buddy is what I like to call it. And have somebody that you can do a study book with and each day call each other and say, hey, did you do your chapter today? Let's talk about it. Or then you can start a journal and find verses that encourage you for that day or listen to praise songs or literally anything you can do to stay in the word daily. Find somebody that you can call and pray with. I'm sure every one of us are in a congregation with older women in them that would love to hear from you and they'll talk to you for hours. (laughs) So you don't have to feel alone then either. So by being persistent every day, what you're doing is you're building a perseverance. And what we learn is when we're persistent in our daily walk, when we build that perseverance, we can then look at James 1. So James 1 verses 2 through 4 tell us that consider it all joy my brethren when you encounter various trials knowing that the test the testing of your faith produces endurance and let endurance have its perfect result so that you may be perfect and complete lacking in nothing so I remember sitting in class and hearing this text and thinking to myself that I was being tested for a purpose and that purpose is I have the choice to cling to God or to flee And I chose to cling to God because when you cling to God, you're not allowing that chance for Satan to hop in because you need to cling to God as if your soul depends on it because it really does. Because the moment those thoughts of why me, why is this happening or doubts come in, that's a little seed that Satan can use against you. He can use that little seed of doubt to hurt your faith just a little bit. And all he needs is just a little bit to get to you. 
So when we choose to stick to God and grow closer to God during these trials, we're gaining that perfect result of maturity in our faith and as a Christian. So we have to endure the trial and keep pushing through it and staying close to God. So now let's look at Romans 5, verses 1 through 5. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom also we have obtained our introduction by faith into this grace in which we stand, and we exult in hope of the glory of God. And not only this, but we exult in our tribulations, knowing that tribulation brings about perseverance, perseverance proven character, and proven character hope. And hope does not disappoint. Because the love of God has been poured out within our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. So this text goes hand in hand with James 1. And it really sums up everything we've talked about today. And what we see is that through our faith, we're justified and gain grace. That grace is where we stand with God. And we praise God for that hope of salvation. And then we can praise God for the pain we face because our persistence to stay close to God. And then if you can make it through all of that, then you're persevering through each trial, which helps us grow in our character and our maturity with Christ. So, I know this all sounds really easy, and it sounds like something, oh, yeah, I can totally get through trials now, because now I know I need to have a prayer life, I need to remember my purpose, probably should journal, and then have accountability buddy, and then persevere. Yeah, I can do that. But then, it sounds easy, but in the moment, it's really hard, but it takes effort, and it takes a willing heart to want to grow beyond that pain. So... I wrote Good Grief, and this was actually a summation of my entire book, which uh, I started while we were in school. And so what it is, is it's a six-week study, and I did six weeks because studies show that grief, um, the main part of grief is about six weeks long. So it's a six-week study that allows you to release thoughts that linger. It helps you to pray for yourself, pray for others, and then it helps you see the suffering that the first century Christians endured, along with knowing the character and nature of God. So... It's my prayer that when each of you encounter these various trials, that you have the tools and knowledge to overcome, and then you have a sister that can help hold you up along the way. I'm done. <laughs> oh, no. And then I broke it. I don't know what to do with this. Thank you, Heather. That was awesome. And I appreciate you can see her infectious love and, and her love for you ladies and, and the reasons that she wrote the book to help 
us be able to go through the, uh, the grief, but be able to do it biblically. And I appreciate that very much. Uh, we are done for lunch, uh, the lunch break. <coughs> Please be back here by 1. Um, our own Cheryl Wilcox will be speaking at 1 o'clock, and I know you will enjoy that lesson as well. But you have a, a short, sort of short lunch break. Did you have any other announcements you needed to make? Again, Carla still has some of those books if you would like the ladies' uh, lessons bound in that, that short book. And we appreciate you all being here. Would you pray with me, please? Father, I thank you so much for the lessons that we are getting to listen to this weekend. And um, I thank you for Heather and her ability to share your word with us, to share um, the reasons that... Uh, we have the examples that we have in your word to help us to go through any trials and grief that we might be experiencing for those of us who have gone through grief or those of us who are experiencing it now. Um, hopefully these lessons will help us to continue to put you at first, Lord, and to, to remember our purpose as Christian women. We thank you for all of the ladies that are here today and for the time that they have given up to be here at the lectureship and we are so thankful for that and know it's a great blessing not only for them but for us to see their, their lovely faces. Be with us to, um, this afternoon as we break for lunch and help us to be back here to hear some more great lessons and to enjoy the time in this fellowship. We pray all this thing, these things in your son's name. Amen. Thank you, ladies. Oh, I, I will say there is also a special afternoon session that we've never done before with a forum of a, a group of women that have uh, gone through Bear Valley. And um, we'd like to, I don't know how to explain it. Carla would probably be better at explaining it. But we'll have a panel of women. And it's a little bit different. It's kind of like this morning. We hope you enjoyed the teacher's workshop kind of the Bible uh, lesson that were given and the information. So please let us know your feedback. We are hoping that some of these things are different and we hope that you understand. We're, we're wanting to make this a special uh, special time for our ladies and a um, special program for you as well. So have a good lunch break. We'll see you back at 1. Okay. Uh, if you see this, will you tell me that the I know you're just thinking.